certainly glad to see you this morning, and I trust you're doing well in the Lord, and trust the Lord to bless us for a little few minutes here. Uh, I've been reading some in the Old Testament, uh, looking in First uh, Kings chapter 17, if you want to turn over there, um, concerning Elijah's experience of the three and a half years of, of uh, drought, uh, famine, three and a half years when it didn't rain. And this is concerning Elisha the Tishbite. And my mind this, this week's been on God's sovereignty. And uh, as I approach this subject and uh, with Elijah's experience, of course, Elijah, he prayed that it might not rain or have actually dew upon the earth. Rain and dew was withheld by God in this circumstance and God told him to go to a brook called Cherith to, uh, and, and then that God would sustain him there um, verse 3 of 1 Kings 17 3 get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan this is 2 Kings 17 verse 4 says and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. Um, as I was reading through this, my mind went to uh, other Instances concerning God's sovereignty. God rules and reigns among men, among the beasts of the field, about, uh, uh, over all things. And I was thinking how that God uh, <clears throat> commanded the ravens uh, to actually feed Elijah. And he brought, those ravens brought flesh and bread in the morning and in the evening. And uh, made me think, this morning, as my time permits, I just want to maybe think of other instances where God had used various animals that shows forth his sovereignty, his sovereign control and his rule and his reign. And so, as time permits, let's just look at a few examples. Here are some ravens that God commanded to feed Elijah. You know, that's that's not a normal thing that ravens would do, all right? So there were ravens, and there's multiple, I guess, because he said ravens plural, not ravens singular. But he commanded these birds, these ravens, to feed Elijah. And so what happened? Well... In the morning, here comes ravens with bread and meat, all right, and flesh. In the evenings, here they come again with bread and with flesh. The next day, here they come again. 
So morning and evening, God brought flesh and bread for him to eat. And uh, that's not usually what would happen. But God's in control. He's running things. He's doing things. He's the one who can command the winds and the waves to be still. And they're like that, still. Even the winds and the sea obey his voice. Remember there in Matthew 9? There was a great storm there. And they said, Lord, save us, we perish. He spake, calmed everything. Because God is a sovereign God and he rules and reigns over his creation. And if he can speak and the winds and waves can obey his voice, he can command some ravens to feed his servant there by a little brook during this great drought. And that's what he did. Um, we find that God has used, you know, there's other things God, I believe God used some birds before. I go to Genesis chapter 8, verse 11. You remember, this is the time of the flood. In Genesis chapter 8, there was a flood, rained 40 days and 40 nights. And we find that, uh, that the waters began to abate off from the earth. Noah's in there with all his animals and his family. And the Lord sustained him in that flood. But we find that as the waters began to dry off, Several months, he finally, after on a certain occasion, that uh, uh, he sent forth, I think they were on that ark for almost a full year. If you figure it up time-wise, because he tells you how long things happen. But at one point, he sent out, you remember, he sent out a dove. And that dove didn't find any resting place and came back to the ark. But I... <clears throat> I see here that we find that in verse 9. Let's just begin reading in verse 8. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. And the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days. And again, he sent forth the dove out of the ark. There's a difference this time. It says, And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. So the second time, this dove came back, had a green olive leaf that had plucked off of an olive tree. All right. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen doves all my life. I saw some yesterday. We have a feeder out in our backyard. They come and feed, and they come and they light on the, the high line and the power lines before they jump down to the feeder, right? I, see, I saw some yesterday. All the times I've seen doves, I've never seen one going around with a green leaf in its mouth. Have you? Now, I've seen them pick up straw and, you know, birds pick up straw to make nests and little sticks and stuff. But I've never seen a dove sitting up on a line or, you know, flying around. It's just got a green leaf in its mouth. I think the Lord was in the matter here. And that was the way that the Lord, uh, it doesn't say he commanded that dove to take that leaf, but I've never seen that. That's not something usually happens. Like ravens, 
uh, don't usually feed folks, right? Well, ravens, I mean, doves, I don't think they go around with green leaf in their mouth. Just, I've never seen one. I've never seen any kind of a bird just with a green leaf sitting up on the high line. No. But this one had a green leaf. And I believe that's the way the Lord arranged things that Noah would know that the waters not only had abated, they had abated enough that there's vegetation growing now. Okay. So the Lord used a dove to communicate to Noah that it's about time to leave this ark. All right. God works his will however he wants, uses whatever means he wants, and he takes command of even, uh, you know, these uh, fowls of the air. I remember also a time uh, uh, over in, in, in Luke where uh, it's also an account in the different Gospels. <clears throat> you know, when Peter, you know, the, the Lord told Peter that he said that he'll uh, be betrayed in the hands of wicked men, you know, and they're going to take him. You're going to turn your back on me. Basically, that's my own words. He said, I'll never deny you. He said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me thrice. All right. Well, think about that. The Lord arranged something such that there wasn't any cocks crowing and no roosters crowing until it says in one gospel, the third time that Peter denied the Lord while I was yet speaking, the cock crew. I say the Lord had control over all those other ones. Of course, it's it was if I understand right, it was night. So that's not usually when roosters crow anyway. But this one rooster did crow at night immediately when Peter denied him, just like God said. I think the Lord had command over the cock and the crowing, the crowing rooster. All right. So God can take these things and he uses them to his designs, you see. We could go over to, uh, let's go to, uh, let's talk about some fish that he's used. Go to go with me to uh, uh, Jonah, the book of Jonah. All right, we all know that that account, right? <clears throat> if we look over in Jonah, and I'll I'll encourage you to turn over there because I want you to read a couple of things from there. <clears throat> this is Amos Obadiah Jonah. Uh, it's right after Obadiah. If that helps you any, it doesn't help me much unless I go in order. <clears throat> but uh. Jonah's kind of a little hard to, I think it's about three, chapter, three chapters, it's not very long. Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Alright, one of the minor prophets. So you got Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Alright, Jonah. Oh, cause you know this story of Jonah. God told him to flee, to go, told him to go preach to Nineveh. He didn't want to do it. And so he jumped his ship in Tarshish and he's fleeing away. And you know what happened that the Lord brought the, the storm and they finally, you know, was inquiring, you know, what's going on. They found out Jonah was the problem because he's running from the Lord. And so they threw him overboard. All right. And, uh, uh, Verse 114 of Jonah says, Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. 
and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Okay. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. I mean, that, that would have kind of an impression on you when they are finally convinced the reason they're having this waves and the, you know, the rough sea and, and everything is because this man and as measly they threw him overboard, wind ceased. Now that'd make an impression on you, say, we must have done the right thing. <laughs> I mean, throw him overboard and now we're seas are calm. Well, verse 17 says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. And I'll just point out the fact that he didn't start preparing a fish when Noah hit the water. He'd already prepared a fish, you see. God has everything under control. He knows what's going on. He knows the end from the beginning, and he knows exactly what's going on. And he had prepared a fish already, already prepared before they threw Jonah overboard, God had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. All right. It wasn't just chance or happenstance that there happened to be this big fish, which we find in the New Testament was a whale. Didn't just happen to be in the locality. Didn't just happen to look at Jonah and think, well, he sound, that looks like a good meal. God prepared, you see, this great fish, and he prepared him, he prepared him to do what? To swallow up Jonah. You know, specific design here. You see, God's a sovereign. Over Even in the animal world, in man's world, in all the world, in the sea, and deep places. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, he's done in the heaven, the earth, the sea, in all deep places. It says in Psalms 135, verse 6, I believe. God's a sovereign. And he prepared this fish to swallow Jonah. And he was down there in seven, you know, seven days. And finally, when he came up and, and, uh, not go through all this, but he says in verse nine, salvation is of the Lord. And when he says that, it says, and the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now, why in the world did the fish, that whale, vomit Jonah up? Because, what did it say? The Lord spake unto the fish, commanded him. He spake unto the fish, and he vomited up Jonah on dry ground. All right? So, we see, we know, we understand that. So, God commands even a great fish. Uh, there's a time, let's look at, since we're talking about fish, let's look at another little fish story. Let's go with me to Matthew chapter 17. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. <clears throat> we'll begin reading in verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, that they, and when they were come to Capernaum, that they, they that received tribute, Money came to Peter and said, doth not your master pay tribute? This is basically a tax collector. Does your master pay taxes? All right. I mean, nobody likes to see the tax collector coming, right? Well, what happened? He said, yes, he does. 
And uh, Peter said, yes, he does. And, and when he was coming into the house, Jesus prevented him and, and, and said, what thinkest thou, Simon? See, the Lord didn't have to, see, the Lord know exactly what was going on, right? Peter didn't have to tell him, oh, the tax collector, collector just hit me up. No, because this is God. He knows all things. He prevented, he, he went, he, he, he beat Peter to the punchline of what Peter was going to tell him. And he said, hey, well, he didn't, why do I keep saying that? I, I'll, I'll, y'all pray for me. I don't like that. I'll say the Lord says, hey, I've never found in the Bible the Lord ever said, hey, to anybody. Pray for me, I get out of that. I, I mean, I say that, I just say it and I don't like it. Hearken. Hearken. There you go. That's biblical. Hey. That's not biblical. All right, anyway. He didn't say, hey. But he said this. He says, what thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, then are the children free. And he said, notwithstanding. Lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast an hook and take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. Now just think about that for a minute. He said, go to the sea, cast a hook. And the first fish you catch, open his mouth, and there'll be a coin in it. I see the Lord's hand in that, do you? I don't know that, you know, fish usually eat fish food, right? They usually, I don't think, they eat coins. But this fish didn't even eat the coin. He just had it in his mouth. Most fish, when you feed them food, they swallow it, right? Goes down into the, he didn't, he didn't swallow this. He just happened to have, just happened to have a coin in his mouth, and it just happened that it was the first one that Peter caught, just like the Lord said, the first one you catch, open his mouth, there's going to be a coin. I see God's providence in that. I don't know if he, you know, changed the, you know, I said, how did the coin get in his mouth? I don't know. It doesn't say. I know the water, God turned water into wine one time. He, so God could turn a pebble or a, or a little fish into a coin if he wanted to. I'm not, I'm not suggesting he did that. Or he commanded that fish to take up that coin in his mouth and not to swallow it. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say all how that happened, but my friends, I don't think it's normal for have a fish that you catch out. I've, I've, I've done a little fishing. I've never had one. I got that hook out and there's a, there's a you know a, a coin in there. I now I've never seen it. See, we see the Lord is doing these things. Um, we can look over in Luke chapter five. <clears throat> All right, let's just stay on the fish since we're talking about fish. <clears throat> Luke chapter five. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of. Genezaret, Genezaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Okay. So it says, He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, 
and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And I think we're going to find out later that this this other, there's two ships there. One was Simon, another was I believe James and John because they're fixed to be there on the scene. But anyway, uh, be that as it may, he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. All right, so he would be out there on the water, and there was people there, and he taught them. Well, when he got finished preaching to them and teaching them, now is, let's just keep reading. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your net for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. Now they were night fishermen, at least they were on this night, because they fished all night. They were net fishers. They'd throw out the net, you know, out of the boat to make a draught. He says, Lord, we've toiled all night and hadn't caught a thing. He says, Master, we have toiled all night and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had, and when they, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both of the ships so that they began to sink. Now that's quite a draw of fishes, is it not? And when Simon, Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, and at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto them, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Well, I, I see the Lord in this, don't you? I mean, they've been, Peter says, you know, we, we've already been, what do you mean go cast your net out? We've been fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing. He says, oh, go ahead, but at your word, I'll go do it. Well, man, they had more fish they could bring in, the nets are breaking. You know, you say, well, the Lord must have knew where those fish were. Yeah, I reckon he did, or he brought them in. All right? I suspect he brought them in. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But uh, he was teaching them a lesson. And he says, you know, from henceforth, you're not going to be fishers of men. You're going to catch men. And man, that, that, through that uh, uh, miraculous thing there that, that the Lord just demonstrated, they left all and followed him. All right? So, we see God using those things. All right, let's, let's get one more. Very familiar. Let's go to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. And you know that. We don't necessarily need to go. We'll, we'll turn over there anyway. Daniel chapter 6. We find that God. Let's just, let me turn over there. We'll do a little reading and I guess I'll wrap it up with that one. But in Daniel chapter 6, you remember that those, there were those that were opposed to Daniel and trying to get him. And uh, they got the king to make a decree that uh, if anybody makes a petition to a god or any of their gods or God other than, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, they'd be cast into a den of lions and they were trying to get Daniel, you know, take him out, basically, because Daniel prayed every day. 
Anyway, we find that uh, on that occasion, he was cast into the den of lions. And you'll notice I've said den of lions. The Bible doesn't say he was thrown into a lion's den. I mean, a lion's den could be empty, right? Boy, no, this makes a big difference. He was thrown into a den of lions. Lions were there. And anyway, we read here, and you know what happened. God shut up the the, uh, the mouth of the, the, the lions and did him no hurt. We see, we see that here. Um, we see the king, verse 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went to in haste into the den of lions. Under the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, and they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocence he was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. And then the king commanded and brought those men which had accused Daniel, and cast them into the den of lions, them and their children, their wives, and lions had mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces wherever they came at the bottom of the den. It wasn't that the lions were tame lions that Daniel got thrown into. It's the fact that God sent an angel and he shut their mouths. And there was no hurt upon him. God has command over the lions. He has command over fish, over the birds of the air, because he's a sovereign God and he works his will among the inhabitants of the earth, and he does his will, and no man can stay his hand. God has control over the winds and the waves. He stopped the sun one time uh, from going down. He's made the sun go back a few degrees on one of occasion. God is a God of sovereign control over all his creation, and sometimes he blesses things that aren't normal, aren't natural, to occur like ravens feeding his servant, like finding a piece of money in a fish's mouth, like blessing Balaam's donkey to speak with man's voice. You see, that's not a normal occurrence, is it? I hadn't seen many donkeys or horses out talking lately. All right? I mean, that wasn't a novel idea with Mr. Ed the horse. Some of you may not know what that is. Older ones will. The talking horse. Well, you know... <laughs> Uh, this, that was just a story. Balaam's ass spake with man's voice. Alright? These are just examples. God has control. The earth and the heavens and all that are under the earth, He rules and reigns over all. May God bless you, is my prayer.